Welcome to the Ultradent Products Podcast. Today we have with us again Dr. Dan Fisher, the CEO and founder of Ultradent Products. And he is going to talk to us today about a new product, which is the Velo Grand. Well, thank you so much, Mel. I feel privileged to be here with you. Oh, it's always a pleasure to have you. Well, thank you, Mel. Uh, the Velo Grand is an exciting next level of Velo. As so many dentists know, uh, Velo is considered the gold standard in, in light curing. It's won several awards. Uh, it is unique with its low profile head, but it's unsurpassed level of, of energy that can come out of that very low profile head. Something so important for especially reaching into proximal boxes on, on posterior teeth, particularly molars. Uh, the, the Velo has, has had a great run and it's still a darn good curing light mm -hmm. and will continue to be a good curing light. But to take it to the next level versus Velo that has just under a 10 millimeter footprint, which we feel is really about the minimum you'd want to go. Uh, but with that size footprint, you can at least cure an MOD on a bicuspid. But where we continue to have increased usage of composites and or uh, uh, composite bonded onlays and the like posteriorly, we've felt the need to have a footprint large enough to cure an MOD on a molar in one cure. Mm. So the Velo Grand has a significantly larger footprint, but it has that same unsurpassed energy output. And, and not just energy, very importantly, in the right wavelengths. And versus a number of curing lights who have various wavelengths, but they're not evenly distributed over the entire footprint. The same engineers that created Velo have continued to work and creating, created a surprising result with Velo Grand in which we've got the 405 wavelength, which is, is much, much, it, it's just above UV. Mm -hmm. We have the 445 wavelength, which is a blue, and 465, the standard blue. And by having those three wavelengths, we reach most all of the camphor quinone curve beyond what other LED lights can achieve. And additionally, we, down on those lower wavelengths, pick up the proprietary, proprietary initiators that most mm -hmm. companies will use. Uh, to help facilitate the, the curing of their resins, their composites, and particularly the more translucent ones. Well, it was a trick to get nice blending on that footprint of Velo, but for our engineers to pull it off on a substantially larger, larger footprint, footprint right. to, to be able to do an MOD, that was virtually miraculous. And uh, we have, we've had some good studies done by it. Uh, uh, Professor Richard Price uh, and his team up in uh, Nova Scotia, he being one of the top gurus in the world on light curing. Uh, he is, is very impressed by his performance, uh, not just the size of the footprint, but by the amount of energy that's driven forward, not escaping laterally, like what occurs with most all curing lights that have a light guide. Uh, and this is very important, again, for posterior restorations. The most classic uh, would be, uh, uh, say, the mesial box on a, on a lower molar or upper molar. Uh, still the low-profile head, 
but with a footprint large enough to illuminate, to energize that entire MOD, and to drive deep into the Class II box. And, and furthermore, we're seeing uh, a, a number of dentists move to a bulk fill. And boy, if ever you would want to have the most powerful curing light, you could imagine it, it would, would be, be with a bulk fill. Yes. Right. As the most critical part of a composite that needs to be totally polymerized in order to have quality, high-strength adhesion to the bonding agent, is that composite immediately adjacent to the bonding agent. Right, the deepest part. The deepest part. And with a bulk feel, that deepest part is shadowed by all of the composite that is injected at one time or, or vibrated at one time in, into the proximal box. And hence, you got to have a light that drives most of the energy forward, not letting it escape laterally, and with appropriate wavelengths and energy to, to cure as deep as is reasonably possible. Now, I know sometimes dentists will cure their composite, and it seems to be cured on the top, although oh, it may not be underneath. Oh, yes. Can you talk about I'm so that? glad you brought that up, Mel. You know, we dentists, we, we'll hit it with the curing light. We hit, take the explore, poke it. Ah, that's good and hard. But we have no idea if it's cured down underneath. Uh, a, a nice little demonstration that Richard Price and his team did. Uh, they showed that for proximal boxes just six millimeters deep, eight millimeters deep, that with a bulk feel and many curing lights, it is far from polymerized down in that proximal box and dentists start to learn about this early on when their patients complain of catching of the floss and they're actually getting a little ditching mm -hmm. down there just above the gingival margin and obviously if that continues over time and it's not replaced then you're going to have new caries occurring there so yeah it's it's a big big deal uh, for those dentists who are using bulk cure I've heard you talk also about some of the cheaper lights that come out of different countries. Yes. Can you compare the cheaper lights to something like Velo, which, by the way, is made in the USA? Yes. <laughs> Boy, the, the difference is it, it, it's like the difference between uh, a Mercedes and a skateboard. <laughs> uh, you can't even compare it to any other automobile. It, it's as though... So many companies felt, hey, we can attach LEDs to a circuit board and we can put it in a handle and we can make curing lights. A curing light's not a curing light's not a curing light. Number one, the size of the footprint's a big deal. Number two, having adequate energy and spread evenly across that footprint. Number three, having lenses and having reflectors that drive most of that light forward. Number four, having that low profile so that you can align that beam so that it's directed right down into the proximal box. Uh, when you have to direct at an angle and with a metal matrix wrapped around, especially molars, many times those gingival floors uh, and a few millimeters above the gingival floor of the proximal box is in the shadows. Mm -hmm. And hence it's not receiving the light. Uh, it, it is major. Uh, Dr. Richard Price, he had studied, I don't know, 10 to a dozen various uh, lights from offshore, most of them coming from China, mm -hmm. and discovered they were virtually all very substandard. 
And it, it, it disturbed him to such a point he even brought it to the attention of our FDA. Uh, that composite, be it a looting composite, be it for a restoration, it is no stronger than to the extent it is polymerized. And for us dentists to, to put that curing light on the composite and then poke the surface with an explorer is just so far from adequate. Uh, it, it's far from adequate to take anyone's curing light and put it on like a little Demetron meter. Mm -hmm. That little Demetron meter, uh, it has concentric rings which uh, facilitates the dentist putting that, that light guide or light emitting and centered right over that tiny little orifice where the, the little receiver is that picks up the energy. And that little chip is just 0.3 millimeters across. Mm -hmm. That's a tiny amount. We're talking like a sixteenth of an inch, 0.3 millimeters, and or less than a sixteenth. And yet, most of these weak garbage curing lights, they'll have higher energy coming right out of the center of the beam, but then it will drop off dramatically as one moves from the center to the outer part of the footprint. So to try and compare lights with something like a Demetron meter is it, just, just not logical. You have to use a meter that will measure across the entire footprint, that will measure the entire output of energy across the entire footprint, not just that tiny little center. Uh, something dentists can do that'll give them an indication of what's going on is take your curing light and instead of allowing those concentric rings to, de to keep your light uh, such that the center of the beam is just directed to that little chip that picks up the light energy, take and slide it from side to side and slide it to say midway between the center and the outer periphery of the footprint and then slide it to the outer periphery and watch how that needle drops. Mm -hmm. you, you need high energy of correct wavelength across the entire, the entire footprint. footprint. You need a footprint large enough that you're not having to cure three, four different locations for a molar. Mm -hmm. Most dentists, most assistants many times don't realize that needs to occur. And then our patients pay the price. That restoration in resin is no better than to the extent it's totally polymerized. So it's a big, big deal. When I'm lecturing to dentists, I tell them relative to the long-term success of their composite restorations, complete with composite looted restorations, that there are two products in which the brand is of high import for quality, long-lasting uh, results. And, and the first one is the bonding agent. Most bonding agents of some 100 different brands are made with speed being the primary input. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's maybe four to six that I would call truly non-compromising of which our, our peak is unsurpassed. And yes, take care in which, in which branding, which brand of bonding agent you use. A bonding agent is not a bonding agent, it's not a bonding agent, they vary dramatically. And the second is your curing light. They vary dramatically. A curing light's not a curing light. It's not a curing light. I get asked sometimes, 
why is that velo so much more expensive than these other curing lights? I actually enjoy that question. <laughs> well, let's hear your answer. Yes, many things make that velo and the velo grand unique. First of all, a unibody construction. We're using the first ever ultra high energy LEDs and they produce a lot of energy. But anytime you have such a powerful uh, energy source, you're gonna create some heat. Right. Our engineer spent six years creating the original Velo. And a lot of that time was spent in dealing with the heat. A unibody was important, but we needed something that was strong enough that with that very low profile head and that ultra thin rim of metal around the lens, so to keep the bulk of that area uh, emitting light, we needed a very strong material. Now they, they studied a number of, of different alloys and yes, aluminum rose to the surface as one would expect because it's lightweight and, and it's a good thermal conductor. But in order to get the strength needed to support that lens so that it wasn't breaking every time one dropped mm -hmm. that uh, curing light onto the floor, as I found happened quite often when I was at the chair with my uh, halogen light, I'd drag my chair forward and the cord would catch and <laughs> onto the floor it goes. Mm -hmm. And doggone, you knew you had another bulb to buy that was, was expensive. You probably destroyed the light guide that was mm -hmm. expensive. So durability was another major input on, on the first Velo and as well the Velo Grand. So the best alloy was aircraft aluminum or aerospace aluminum, as it's a blend of alloys that provides that great uh, ability to, to move heat and to be a heat sink, uh, but also is very rugged and strong. Uh, but to achieve that, in a good way, it can't be cast. It's just a limited number of, of alloys available on the market which give that opportunity for high strength and for great heat dissipation and heat sink. And, and so we have to start with drawn bar. It, it can't be cast aluminum. Mm. And when you machine drawn bar, wow, that, that can take 40 minutes to an hour to, to machine depending on, on the design of Velo, cordless versus corded and, and the like. That's a lot of machine time. Uh, that's a lot different than injection molding a plastic housing that one can spit out of an injection molding machine every 10 to 30 seconds, if you will. Uh, th that's the first, first part that brings the value offsetting the cost of Velo. Mm -hmm. Another thing, just for example, that, that brings value offsetting the cost is a very unique wafer, which is a fabulous thermal conductor, one of the best, best on the planet. The best in the cosmos is diamond, and we studied using diamond. But boy, you think the Velo's costly now would be through <laughs> the roof if we would have used diamond wafers in these things. So we went to the next best we could find, an exquisite, uh, a unique ceramic, which sucks the, the heat energy off the back of those LEDs quickly and spreads it over a larger footprint immediately adjacent to that, uh, that aircraft aluminum so that it can get moving down the handle away from the head of the light. Mm. Uh, another very unique feature is precision 
milled reflectors, which are taken to a polish level, and then they are plated with the most expensive metal on planet Earth. And the most expensive metal's not gold, it's not even platinum. The most expensive metal is rhodium. But rhodium is unsurpassed with its ability to reflect. And the more of the energy that can be reflected forward, the less energy is converted to heat and goes to the, the back of the LEDs. Mm -hmm. So you want to take the most energy you want to capture, the most light energy you can, and, and drive it forward. And you want a lens which is optimized with that reflector. So to keep the energy spread even over the footprint and with those various wavelengths. Every part on that of metal's machined. It's not a stamping. Uh, it is designed to be rugged, robust. It's designed to deliver the maximum amount of energy possible. Uh, it's even capable of an ultra-high energy level that uh, is recommended by some lectures out there, such as Dr. Gordon Christensen. Uh, there are those who feel that's too much energy. So it's capable of being just in a matter of seconds tuned back to a mid-energy level or the standard uh, 1,000 to 1,200 milliwatt per centimeter squared that uh, many, many dentists and dental schools use. Oh, and then one last feature. Where that is aircraft, aerospace aluminum, it, it's darn rugged, it's darn strong. But it wouldn't be scratch resistant. So once those bodies are polished, they are then anodized with a sapphire hard coating such that it's very resistant to scratching and the like. One should always take care, regardless of the curing lights, in disinfecting solutions, and especially battery-driven ones. We are using, in the case of the cordless Velo, and for Velo Grand as well, <coughs> we're using these high-tech iron lithium batteries that uh, the camera industry has used for the last few years. Uh, having those in a charger that doesn't have to be in the operatory, that doesn't require a docking station, that are inexpensive, 10, 12 bucks for a set of two. Uh, you just have the little charger in the back, you have an extra set or two, and every two to four weeks, depending on the busyness of your practice, you just swap them out like flashlight batteries. The, these are, are, are features that, yes, they add to the cost to have that capability, but they save in the long run because Curing lights that have custom-made uh, rechargeable batteries, those are expensive. They can be $100, $200, a far cry from 10 to $12. And you should be replacing these every year or two, depending on the busyness of your practice, because they lose over time their ability to take up that charge again. And speaking of batteries, how does a dentist know it's time to recharge, and if it's time to recharge, does that mean the output of the light is diminished? Oh, that's a very important question. Uh, Val, I'm, I'm proud of you in asking that <laughs> question. You, you know, the, the first curing lights, uh, sad to, or the first cordless curing lights, sad to say, as that battery power diminished, the, the performance yeah, out the end mm -hmm. would diminish. Our, our engineers did design into original Velo, and it carries over into Grand uh, a capability with the circuitry such that when that power drops below optimum, 
it will give a warning signal. Or I'll take that back. When it gets to where it's close to go, going below what is optimum power, it will give a warning signal and a, and a little red flashing light. But when it reaches the point at which it's not delivering optimum, it shuts down and, and will cease to function until you put charged batteries in it, which is very, very important. That sounds like something you'd do. Hey, there you, well, guys like me need those kind of props. You know, we, we get so focused on the patient and the restoration and what's going on, uh, be it our staff, be it us, we need that digital help to remind us. Well, and quality is a core value of this company. And like I'm, I'm always saying to people, I'm so proud to work here because it goes through every part of the company. And quality being a core value means that you want quality dentistry from your Absolutely. When we think about it, you know, every patient, they are our brother, they are our sister. Mm -hmm. And yes, we should at least do no harm. But I think every one of us, we want that our restorations last a long time and in a quality sense. So quality permeates starting with the patient. And that then is the principal drive for quality materials, quality equipment, to help that patient have quality, long-lasting dentistry. Uh, it all starts from the patient, and I often tell dentists that it's the patient in the chair it's all about, and be we in a lecture room, be it our ultra-dent R&D engineers, chemists and the like, we always need to be thinking this is for patients. Mm -hmm. Yes, it needs to be progressive and trustworthy for dentists. But ultimately, this is about patience, and hence we need to keep our eye on the ball and keep our focus there. One other little feature I was going to tell you about this kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, in order to maximize the longevity of these batteries, another feature that our engineers put into the original grant, uh, Vail and also in the Grand is a little switch that when that velo sits motionless, don't quote me, it's something like beyond <laughs> 20 seconds, 30 seconds, it turns off. But when you pick it up, it turns back on. So those batteries are not bleeding down, even with the LEDs on the display. Uh, they're not bleeding down when it's not being used. So th again, cool they, they put feature. all those little features. And yes, all of those little features bring an increased price tag. Mm -hmm. But the value they bring is such a big deal. And uh, as we dentists often tell our patients, you know, the, the cost is forgotten long after that quality value is mm -hmm. there. But if it's too low a cost that didn't enable quality to be rendered, that is remembered every time the patient turns around, every time the dentist mm -hmm. turns around. So paying a little more upfront to have something investment. dependable, it's, it's an investment. It's, mm -hmm. it's, a, a, it's certainty, it, it's peace of mind, mm -hmm. and knowing that you've got the best curing light you can possibly have, and the patient, I believe, that the patient deserves such. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank so you. the, the Velo Grand's gonna be fun, a fun new offering, uh, taking it to another level. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. You're welcome there, Mel. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. For a full archive of our podcast, please visit podcast.ultradent.com. 
If you have questions, comments, or suggestions for an upcoming podcast, please call us at 800-268-9010.